Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! entrepreneurial inspiration it's time to get into the scrum it's time to put your ideas on the whiteboard and it is time ladies and gentlemen to capture your ideas (laughs) that's so silly that's ridiculous hi i'm chase reeves and this is the fizzle show where every week we talk about doing something we care about and making a living from it both things okay yes you need a little of your heart to survive guys you can't you do it's probably why you hate your job so much because you're not allowing any of your heart to be involved because they don't want it they just want you to be efficient and you know you're more than that but at the same time you do need to be efficient and earn some revenue and stuff right you do actually need to put the bread on the table we all have that requirement of us and if we don't ski on both of those skis we have one dominant leg too much if we're too efficient or if we're too hardy Dude, the whole thing falls apart, and so it's about this balance between the things, and that's what we do here at The Fizzle Show, talking specifically to what we call indie entrepreneurs, all right? No matter where you are on this on uh, on the process, you could be just dreaming about doing your own thing, still an indie entrepreneur, even though you're maybe resonate more with the wantrepreneur, right? You're in the bleachers, you're watching the game. But then there's like, you know, your farm league, your beer league, right? A lot of us are out listening out here. We're in our beer league, beer league businesses, all right? But then there's... You know, AAA, AAA, I'd say Fizzle's really kind of a AAA business. And then there's the majors. And we're all about this timeline. We're all about this timeline. How do we build our businesses up to the level that you want to do it? Because there's no, like, scale isn't the goal. You being freaking fulfilled like crazy is the goal. Putting money on the the table for your family, living the life that you want. Uh, Serving people that really energize you. Make your head pop off the pillow in the morning. That's what we're about at Fizzle. You can check us out at fizzle.co if you want to learn more about us, but let's get into our episode today. First of all, I've got Corbett Barciana with me here. Corbett, say hi. Hey, everybody. I've got Steph Crowder tuning in from Chicago. Say hi, Steph Crowder. Hello. How you guys doing? Steph was just here for for uh, a couple days in Portland during a large conference called WDS. We always do some some planning around because there's fun people to hang out with in Portland. Steph, how'd you like that? Oh my gosh, so much fun. So many cool people. Always love being in Portland. And... I think that people out there should be pretty darn excited about the things that we're cooking up uh, at Fizzle in the next six months plus. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped myself. We had some really big planning stuff. Had some big planning stuff. Senior Corbett Bar coached us through a lot of things, and then we had a scrum, and we all got together. It was great. We got, yep. we got. A, I'm standing next to the whiteboard stuff that uh, that we all just, we just graffitied the hell out of my whiteboard in my room. I don't know how I'm going to erase this stuff. I think I might need to just like get a new whiteboard. It's totally (laughs) filled up. So, uh, anyways, let's jump into our topic for today. All right. Cause we've got a good one. It's coming from, uh, from it is coming from, well, let me give you the, let me give you a little, little gist here. Okay. The question here is, are you pursuing your thing completely? All right, guys, follow me here for a second. As an independent myself, I'm speaking for myself here as, a, as an independent, as a full-time uh, indie entrepreneur, as a, I have to make things that, uh, that are going to sell. Do you know what I mean? Listener, do you resonate with that? Like, you don't just make things, you, you have to make things that are also potentially could possibly sell so that you can, ex- you can do, like, uh, what's the, you're going to have the excuse to actually spend more time making things. Right, I create my own wealth. I design my own sort of like creativity and my use of my time myself. All right, that's what an independent entrepreneur does. That's what a, a maker does. A brain worker kind of does. Right. I personally feel a strong call to do things my way. All right, for the results that I want. It feels like there's this invitation. Like you can, you can give more of yourself over to being that creator of that thing that you want to be. So oftentimes I hear this referred to, quote, pursuing completely, right? Like how completely are you pursuing your thing? Like right now you might be a blogger or something like that. Like how, how completely are you pursuing that? I feel like there's this real pressure that we give ourselves completely over to that. And I think this plays 
solidly into that dream of being like like an artist who abandons herself to her work right is this making you guys think of this like you're a bad like the real artist abandons herself to her work right no regardless of the consequences do you know what i mean like this is kind of if i'm honest uh like i feel like i should have that kind of abandon as an artist if i'm an artist mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's that kind of conviction the sold outness to the thing that i'm pursuing but what if per pursuing that thing is putting like other things in my life in jeopardy? All right. What if I want to more completely pursue uh, being a blogger, but I'm, I'm not growing any monetary wealth over there. Like it's not actually growing the results or the things. It doesn't look like it, it hasn't happened yet. What if it's, what if it's been like that for like maybe a year or two, right? We, I feel maybe, maybe kind of called or, uh, or like my passion is to throw myself more completely into that because maybe that's necessary. It's like, I need to give myself, I've abandoned myself more to this thing. Mm, if then, only, if, if only I was more committed. Exactly. To it. Yeah. If only I was more committed to it, then maybe it would finally start generating revenue. But spending more time there will likely take me away from stuff that is earning me like revenue. And I, I don't just mean like wealth in terms of, of money there with, with revenue, but maybe like it's like time with my family, relationships I care about, things that actually are true to me mm -hmm. as a person, right? So today, uh, what we're going to talk about is, is this like how per completely should we be pursuing our thing? How much are you pursuing your thing and how much should any of us pursue our thing? Should we leap with abandon and trust the universe and the intention of our hearts to construct the solution in real time? Right? Should we just completely trust it's going to work out? Burn all the bridges. Just commit every ounce of energy and focus you have to that one thing. To, or should we actually be more cautious than that? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like up to now there's been like you're either on one side of this or the other, and that's what I want to get into. Yeah. Okay. Today, now uh, the way into this, you guys, before we start hashing this out, is we received an audio note from a fizzler that was very moving. Okay, and let's just listen to that. Here is Paul's audio note to us at Fizzle. Who would have thought that an episode of the Fizzle Show would make me cry? Well, that happened to me tonight. I was jogging slash walking I was listening to the episode about the tips on how to make your podcast interviews excellent there was a certain part of the show where there was a segment played of an interview where a woman although she had this great college degree from a wonderful university instead she pursued a photography business entrepreneurship because her grandmother said something along the lines of, My natty will never be happy unless she's working for herself. Something to that effect. I'm not saying that I bawled. I'm not saying that tears were streaming down my face. But I felt myself getting misty-eyed. I was wearing headphones. I'm listening and starting to cool down, walking. I said to myself, Oh my gosh, am I crying? Why is this affecting me so much? And I guess it's because I saw myself in that person. I mean, what could be a better interview than when you can relate to the person being interviewed that much? So hats off to the interviewer of that segment. I've always dreamt of making a living creating content that I care about. I've done it. I've been doing it for almost 15 years now. But I haven't made a living at it. I think what makes a great interview is when you can get someone to be vulnerable. I'm going to be kind of vulnerable with anyone who might listen to this. Yesterday, I came home from the grocery store and I could tell that my wife was sad. I was feeling sad too. It's always hard for me to be vulnerable. It's always hard for me to admit when I'm feeling sad. But I opened up. And because of that, we both felt better in the end. I told her something I wasn't exactly proud of, and for some reason, this came back when I was listening to your fizzle show. For money, like probably a lot of people listening, I'm a server at a restaurant. I've interviewed a lot of celebrities. 
I've hosted a radio show and I've gotten some pretty big names to be guests from Woody Allen to Maya Angelou. And some of them have come into the restaurant to eat and I've never had any issue with telling them who I was. Hey, it's me. I'm the guy who interviewed you over the phone. Yeah, I'm a waiter here. Yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. Well, recently, someone who is my own age and who I view as more of a peer and not necessarily a celebrity came in, and I did something I'm not really proud of. I hid from them. It was like I was ashamed of my job. I saw them as a young, creative entrepreneur, and I kind of viewed myself as somebody who wasn't maybe doing everything I could. Maybe it wasn't my lack of financial success, but maybe it was more... I saw that they had pursued it completely, and I knew in my heart that I wasn't pursuing it completely. And I know that the fact that I hid, it might not say something very nice about me. It might say that I'm vain or that I'm too proud or egotistical. But I'm admitting to you all that that's what I did. I hid. And I kind of realized I'd been avoiding listening to the Fizzle show for a while because I felt guilty. I felt kind of ashamed because I knew in my heart that I'm not pursuing what I really want with all that I have within me. Hearing this episode tonight did something to me and I'm feeling this strong pull in my heart right now, in my heart and my mind, to really be honest with myself and with others and with you, to be open and to be vulnerable and admit that I need help from people in pursuing what I want to do. And, last but not least, to get back to listening to your show. I just want to say that this episode that you did, it really, really resonated with me. I don't know why. (laughs) Who can explain these things? But I've never met you all, and you guys are inspiring, and I'm glad you all do what you do. I love you guys. Thank you so much. I just love listening to that. Yeah. That's so good. That was kind of intense. It's like, it's so moving. I've heard it yeah. like a few times now. And yeah. something about Paul's voices is just moving. Yeah. He feels, you can tell he's done this yeah. before, right? He's comfortable on the he's microphone. He's comfortable there. And, uh, and uh, yeah, almost like as if it's a play and he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's getting me. He's got a great voice, too. Like, it's soothing i i'm just really really amazed paul we, we've had correspondence and email and so grateful that you're, you're you were open to us sharing that here because i just think that letter uh clicks on so many levels probably for so many of us listeners you guys if if that resonated with you leave us a comment this is fizzle show 225 fizzle show.co slash 225 leave paul a comment at fizzle show.co slash 225 and just tell him how much it meant for you to hear his voice. Now, the moment that really stands out to me on this was the the hiding from a peer, right? The feeling like a fraud, this at least a little. Um, I think Paul's story is actually a really, really good example of the thing we were talking about in the last episode, the confidence. Mm-hmm. The imposter syndrome came up and we were talking about confidence because on one level, he's talking to these celebrities like Woody Allen, Maya Angelou, right? And some of these people are coming into his restaurant and he's waiting on them. And it's yeah. going like, yeah, I was the guy, like, right? And then it's like a peer comes in. And I just thought that was so, I would, I resonated with that. Like, I think I would be, I would be likely to do the same kind of thing if I was feeling the way that Paul was feeling, you know? So I want to know, I'm Corbett, I'm curious for you. Like, well, I don't know. What is that? What does that moment make, make you think of? I mean, I, it makes me think of times when I have avoided conversations myself because I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling bold and brave and confident enough to have the conversation that I felt like I would have to have if I, if I stepped into it with yeah. someone, yeah. usually at a conference, yeah. you know, because a lot of times, and I wrote about this a while ago, a few years ago after attending a, a conference where it seemed like money was the whole point of what everybody was talking about when they got together. Yeah. And, you know, in this case, it's like you're listening to Paul speak. And that can, was money is not the point, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. You're listening to Paul. You're listening speak. to Paul speak and you could hear, and he's talking about having interviewed these major celebrities. And on one level, 
if you talk to Paul just about his art yeah. Yeah. and set aside what he does for a living, set aside the monetary, yeah. whatever. Totally. And if you just had that conversation, you know, Paul could talk all day about it and could probably have some really, really interesting things to share. He could probably have a lot to teach on interviewing. Yeah. Like how did he land those guests? Totally. What is it like to interview with someone with so much gravitas? Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about peers, money seems to be the thing that people use as a measuring stick a lot. And I think it a lot of times um, blocks interesting conversation that could happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking about myself and, and being at some conferences where, you know, most of the time I'm, I'm game to talk with whoever, but every once in a while I've spent many an afternoon at a conference in my own hotel room Yeah, because I was just tired of that, yeah. of that attitude that you have to, the front that you have to there's bring. There's a front. It's like, there's, you have to like build up your energy to put this front out. Right. Especially during the day at night. Yeah. Everybody's drinking, having a good time, and yeah. you're not talking about stuff can, like that. Exactly. And you might catch somebody off guard and they reveal something to you, right? Yeah, yeah. But during the day, during the afternoon, that's when yeah. you got to walk around like, so, uh, you know, how big's your uh, revenue now? You yeah, know? That totally. sort of thing. It's, it's yeah. kind of like a pissing contest. Yeah, totally. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I just connect with it. I feel it. Yeah, that's awesome. Steph, what, is this, what does this moment make you think of? So it's interesting because Corbett was just talking about how this comes down to money. And I think that that's part of it. But the word that I jotted down was influence. So I think that there's money, but there's also influence. And I can't help but think of, and I guess this is the second episode in a row now where I'm thinking about social media. So maybe I need to like back off of Instagram or something. But I'm just thinking about how this manifests itself on social platforms. Like there is, I was reading an article just the other day from an influencer who I like. Her name's Jenna Kutcher. And she's a really um, amazing, wedding photographer. She has a podcast called The Gold Digger Podcast. She's just a phenomenal, positive person in the space. And she had written this article about Instagram in particular, but social media and how all, a lot of us kind of fall into the trap of like competing with our peers or like trying to get our peers to see how cool we are. And she just did this simple thing in this article that she wrote where she was like, what if you just thought more about your customer? Like, who cares if your peers are finding your stuff? Like to a degree, it's always fun to feel like you're for me, it's always been fun to feel like, oh, I've got a, I've got a seat at this table or I have a voice with these other people. Like that, I think there's some uh, some kind of like rewarding feeling that goes with that. But in that moment, when I was reading this from from Jenna, I was like, gosh, yeah, that is what it's about. It is about connecting with like who your actual audience is. And I have found myself personally getting a little bit too caught up in like who, like who, what kind of crowd am I running with or who am I rubbing elbows with? When in reality, every time I shift my focus back to like, hold on a second, who am I actually trying to talk to with what I'm making? It's really refreshing. So for me, when I hear this from Paul, I just think of it as like the trap that we all, I think, inevitably fall into where it goes back. Maybe it goes back to like middle school. You just want to fit in. You want to have a seat at the cool kids table. And sometimes when you feel like you don't, it just maybe it brings us back to like that childhood trauma. I don't know. But I think that there's something for me that's always been helpful about trying to take it back to like, what is what is my actual mission here? Mm, yeah, I love that. Now, okay, let's let's focus specifically on 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 the words that he uses um, when he talks about this shame sort of feeling because this is what I want to talk about. He says he's not pursuing it completely, right? He says I so this guy came in to a peer came into the restaurant who I knew I felt like this person was pursuing it more completely than I was. And I think the direct, the, the, the words he spoke was, I felt shame because I knew in my heart that I'm not pursuing what I really want with everything I had in me. Right. And we get in, this is where we get into, these are the words he uses in, as a kind of shorthand, but I think it's something that a lot of us have felt like I can do more. I can commit more. I'm more convicted in my heart than my actions are letting on. I wish I was pursuing this more completely. I need to be pursuing this more completely. Things will work out different for me if I was pursuing it more completely. Um, so let's camp here for a second. Steph, what comes to mind for you when you think of this idea of pursuing it completely? First of all, I think that there's something really refreshing about hearing this from somebody else because I think this is something I've thought in my own mind that I've never really acknowledged. And it's interesting to me that 
I'm, I'm realizing as we discuss this, this is one of those things that I didn't realize everybody felt. I thought I've had those feelings before too. And I think that all of us, probably everyone listening probably can think of an example of a time that you thought to yourself, well, I would be this much further along if I didn't have this obstacle in my life, or if I didn't have this day job, or if I didn't have my kids who needed all this stuff from me. And those thoughts, I think they are, they run rampant in our minds and they're very common, but what's comforting about this is realizing there is something really powerful in, in maybe starting to point out those types of feelings as something that everybody feels and that maybe those aren't as real as we, I think we accept those feelings as reality. We're like, yeah, if I didn't have, you know, a toddler, I would be able to be this much further along. It's almost like, give it, I don't know if we're trying to protect ourselves from failure. It, that probably is what it comes back to is like that. I think we've talked about this. Maybe we even talked about this last episode about how that that's what our ego is there for. Chase, you were talking about how the ego acts like a bodyguard where it's like that yeah. bodyguard is protecting us from the shame. And I think we erect these obstacles in our minds to protect us from what how scary it would be to be fully seen. So I think the first step or like the first layer of this for me is just acknowledging that all of us probably feel to some degree that we have some obstacle preventing us from being all in. And um, I don't know, I, I'm sort of realizing for the first time that this is something I felt. I don't think I've ever felt it super consciously, but now that we're talking about it, I think I can see how to some degree, everybody out there probably has some iteration of that feeling of not being able to be all the way in. Mm, I love that. Now, Corbin, I'm curious from your perspective, there's this, Steph's saying there's this voice that's like keeping us from going all the way in. Mm. Right. Like in your experience, like what is that voice? Is that voice serving you or harming you? Or because I think that's exactly what we talk about when we talk about uh, like you should kick fear in the face and just take the jump off of that massive cliff. Yeah. And like you'll probably grow wings on the way down. Yeah. You know. Right. Well, it, just from my standpoint. Uh, being the analytical one that I am and being the uh, the titular CEO right mm -hmm. of fizzle um, I'd say the th the thing that I'm constantly concerned about is paying the bills mm -hmm. and sometimes I feel like as a business we have to pay the bills we have to earn a living and maybe that keeps us from going all in sometimes on something that could be a big turning point for us or mm -hmm. something that could become really magical, right? Because we have this responsibility. I have this responsibility, right? To mm -hmm. us, to, to steer the ship, to make sure that we don't hit any icebergs, but maybe we need to cruise up into the Arctic for a while because that's where we're going to find the, the uh, breakthrough. Yeah. And I think, you know, in Paul's case, it, it could be the same. He, he needs to pay the bills. He has to work as a server and for him, maybe going all in, would constitute leaving that job and just, you know, seeing without a safety net and seeing what happens. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's really hard to know if that's the right thing to do. I mean, the, the opposite of that is what if you jump without a safety net and you just splat and crack your head open? Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and then you look back and have regrets about that. And I, I don't know that you can necessarily have it both ways. And, I guess I'm I'm one to be a little bit more cautious. Like I yeah. always I always talk to people about um when they when they think about pursuing something new, if they have something going already, I like to see them experiment with that new thing a little bit to see what it's like before they cut all ties, before they cut off all revenue sources or whatever it is. Yeah. And get kind of one foot in the new place and feel what that's like before jumping in because a lot of times there's all this energy and enthusiasm and, and you can construct this world in your mind that if I was all in on that thing, everything would be magical, but it's not always magical. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we're talking about wishful thinking in some ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wishful thinking, I think is a very, and, and that's what I, I, um, well, here, let me, let me tell you my little, my little bit here and you guys interrupt me throughout this. If you find something that sounds interesting to you, cause, cause it's a little, it's a little bit of a rant, I guess. But, um, so to me, this seems like 
like a place for delicate balance. Like Corbett, you just nailed it. This idea of, I mean, I, and, and by the way, every listener of the Fizzle Show and Steph, you and I both heard that when Corbett just said, maybe we aren't, maybe I, I err too much on the side of paying the bills and we can, and keeps us from getting into something that could be really magic for us. You all heard that. That was on tape. Just checking my logic really quick to make sure that's still recording. Yes, it is. That is in the annals of our annals. <laughs> and you are on tape, sir. Okay, I'm. I definitely plan on using that in the future. <laughs> yeah, use it, use it. But, but looking back, yeah, you know, it's like for someone who steered the ship into some risky territory yeah. and failed. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, there can be a lot of blame for that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's people's lives on the line. Yeah. There's people's incomes on the line. So, um, in my sense, this is like a. A place for delicate balance. Now, I personally have had times in my life when I knew I wasn't giving myself over completely to the thing that was kind of calling to me. So I absolutely resonate with what Paul's saying here. Like Steph said, we all probably have that this experience in some, some capacity. And I think a better language for this might be, uh, I wasn't totally acting in accordance with my conviction, I guess in some sense, that I really desired to head a certain direction, but I was too afraid in my mind and didn't let myself fully engage in that direction. Probably because like, this is where Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, like the whole book was written about this whole thing. And it is like a Bible about this, about, you know, conversations with your fear. Uh, the, the best, the best book I've ever read in that regard. And I think this is sort of a repressive posture to sort of to repress the desire that we have, right? The mind sort of repressing mm-hmm. the sort of the hope or the whimsy or the or the desire. Uh, you know what I mean? Just like whatever the, the we could call it passion, we could call it intuition, we could call it whatever. But the mind going like, hey, hey, we're pretty sure that's not going to work, or at least it's saying like that might not work. You know, I don't know if you guys uh, to I wrote a big old article on the courage. Um, episode the one we just did the how do we feel more confident episode and i had a blast writing that article from the podcast content itself and one of the things i got kind of deep into is the difference between this might work and this might not work mm. do you know what i mean and it's like most of us i think a lot or at least many of us err on the side of the voice in our head is almost always this is not going to work or this might not work so let's be very very cautious here you know but that repressive posture of like the mind repressing the heart for lack of a better term at the moment you know i don't think your heart literally is where your emotion comes from so you know you're i was talking about that with my son yesterday he's like dad your heart is where that stuff comes from like dude your heart is this gross looking muscle in the middle of your chest heart is a metaphor (laughs) yeah but i noticed that it feels like sort of from that place or like my gut sort of you know that i i can kind of sense some of these things coming from in that direction so to me i am totally convinced that there is a way to live that is too repressed that's like we're what paul's talking about that's like i am not fulfilling i am not going hard enough after my thing the too imbalanced in favor of the mind in favor of fear leaning too hard towards what will they think why do or what like this question of who do i think i am to be trying this kind of thing to be trying like paul's dream was like i want to make content i love and earn my living from it and he says i've made the content i love for a long time but i'm not earning my living from it yet you know, so to really try to do that is a little bit like a, who do you think you are? And so we can go too far that way. So we need to balance that with our heart, our desire, being honest with ourselves that, Hey, actually it feels really good to go this way. I'm curious about it. I really want to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like in some ways, just giving your desire that, that voice of like that, that seat at the table. It's like, Hey, I'm curious about going this way. You know, it feels good. All right. You know it. Quit trying to <laughs> quit trying to, to not admit to yourself that it feels good. So let's find out a way to do that. But I also see the imbalance of having too much heart, too much desire, too much what we were just talking about, wishful thinking. Right. You really love making comics. So, hey, screw it. Let's spend all our time doing that and hope the universe takes care of us. Uh, I don't think that's serving your desire very lovingly, to be honest. You know what I mean? I think Liz Gilbert talks about this. Like, put that puts way too much pressure and weight on those the little shoulders, the thin little shoulders of your creativity. Your creativity doesn't care about your income. Your creativity cares about the things it cares about. <laughs> like your heart cares about the things it cares about, and it doesn't know about 
paying the bills, like Corbett was talking about. And I think that puts too much pressures on the shoulders of your creativity. I think it's very dangerous to think, hey, I've repressed my natural creativity so much, and it feels so good to pursue it, so I'm just going to just flow completely towards that feeling, even though it's scary, and go, and go super hard after it and pursuing it completely, and maybe I'll grow wings on the way down. That's what I'm counting on. You know, now in Paul's situation, I hear something that is absolutely magical. This is, and this is what I want you to hear, Fizzle Show listener. This is where I want us to hear is that he's basically heading towards better balance. All right. It's not like he's going completely sold out to this direction. He's going, going towards a better balance. That's why he says at the end of it, I must be open and admit to people I need help pursuing what I want to do. That's his mind saying, this is going to be hard. This might not work. And his heart going, let's try it anyways. Right? I always think of that country song. I hope you dance anyways, baby. (laughs) Do you you know what I mean? I don't know. I I know that country song. I thought I'd get better reaction from you. I've never heard that. (laughs) I hope you dance anyway. Anyways. You know, it's like life's going to crap. And you get asked to dance or something, and I hope you dance anyways. You know, those real somber, sad dances. You know the dances? You know, it's like when you're making love and you're just weeping. You know what I'm talking about, Corbett Bart. <laughs> Steph goes, oh my gosh. <laughs> I knew it was uh, going somewhere in that direction. <laughs> I think it's very dangerous to think that, hey, I've repressed my natural creativity so much, uh, and it feels so good to pursue it, so I'm just going to flow completely toward it. So, like, I, I really mean it. In Paul's thing, he's heading towards balance. He's saying, I've been too afraid to pursue harder what I know has been calling me. And now I'm ready to lean into that fear a little bit more and surrender a little bit more of myself to this thing. A little bit more, I think, is the operative term there. I think that's just what Corbett was talking about when he was like, do some experiments, find out about it. And I got into this quite a bit in the confidence uh, article as well, where it was like, you, you will gain your mind and your fear will 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 get quieter when you've like it's sitting there going like dude you are not admitting to yourself that you don't know enough about this thing Mm -hmm. there's a lot we don't know there's a lot we don't know admit that admit that and your heart's going like yeah but we want this admit that admit that we want it and you're the thing in between you're like mom dad please don't fight I think that's kind of sacred. I think that to me, in my experience, this is kind of like a sacred place to be. Like to be in that place where you're, you've got a little bit of that fear, like, and a little bit of that intelligence going. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're not sacrificing either. This is the two skis thing. You're on two skis going down the mountain, you know? And I think that's where Paul's headed. Uh, and, I, and I think that sounds amazing. And I think that's where I want to be. That's where I want more of us entrepreneurs to be because I don't know. I think it's actually a business asset. I think you do it from this, just like we were all resonating with Paul's voice when he was talking. I think your business can have that same feel when you're doing it your way like this, when you know you're being a little bit vulnerable when you're doing it. So uh, first of all, let me take a quick break and read from our sponsor here, FreshBooks. Because FreshBooks is small business accounting software designed for small businesses, especially for you freelancers. You know, in Fizzle, we're always trying to get you to actually earn that revenue. Like Corbett's saying, you got to pay the bills, right? And FreshBooks is a program that's going to help you to actually do that. Because have you ever tried to get a client to pay you money? (laughs) Have you ever tried? Have you ever seen like these agreements like Net90 and things like that? And then you're just like not getting paid? FreshBooks makes all that super easy especially for your invoicing, but they do some other stuff too. So invoicing side, you get professional looking invoices and they, you can send your invoices directly to your client through there. You can tell whether they've opened it up, whether they paid it, you can send reminders. All of this kind of stuff happens directly within the app. You don't have to do anything else anywhere else. Uh, but they also help you do things like track your expenses. They have a great mobile app. They do some time tracking as well for when you're uh, trying to, you know, when you got a bill based on the hours that you spend. Uh, you know, one of my creative sort of, it's sort of like, I really like this lady a lot. Tina Ross Eisenberg, uh, Eisenberg says, FreshBooks not only makes me look professional, it saves me a huge amount of time. And she's the designer co-founder of Creative Mornings and Tatley. 
You know, those little, those cool tatly tattoos and Swiss Miss. So for Fizzle Show listeners, FreshBooks has given us 30 days for free, completely, uh, completely for free. I don't even think you need a credit card for the trial. So if you're interested in that, go to freshbooks.com slash fizzle and enter fizzle in the how did you hear about us section. Our thanks to FreshBooks for supporting indie entrepreneurship and the fizzle show. So as you think about your creativity, as you think about whatever thing is the thing that makes you feel that like, I don't know, oh my gosh, this might not work feeling. I'm encouraging us, and Steph, I want to hear your thoughts on this if something comes to mind. I want us to have a better thought on balance here, to realize that that fear, that bodyguard, is actually this other ski that we really need to get down this mountain and actually makes it really fun when you're skiing, you know, and you have both legs. <laughs> like, I, it makes it really fun. Like, you can make it all the way down the mountain. If you do on just one leg, number one, you're not going to have as much control. You're going to go really fast and you're probably going to crash right into a tree. But if you got both legs, like you can see that tree and you can make that turn and you could actually enjoy making that turn. So I don't know, Steph, what do you think about this idea of, of looking at this with more balance? So I have a little bit of a different analogy in mind that I'm curious to see where this might take us because I'm looking at this a little bit differently. So I'm thinking of, I think what we're talking about with this, you're describing it as balance, but What's at the root of this? I feel like this tension, this familiar tension that Paul is facing where he's like in that moment in the restaurant, you can see it so clearly. There's the person he doesn't want to talk to and he feels friction. He feels scared, whatever you want to describe that emotion as. It's like this this tightening that happens. In an interesting parallel, you guys might recall, he talked about a moment that he brought up where he walked into the kitchen and he could tell his wife was sad and he was feeling sad too. It's Mm, that same kind of friction where it's like, this bracing that you do. Cause he said like, I didn't really want her to know I was sad. I didn't want to go there. But then like I admitted I was sad. She did too. And he said something to the effect of we both were better for it in the end. And Mm. I know that feeling very well where it's like, Oh God, like sometimes it's like crying. For example, like I know I probably need to cry, but I really don't want to do it because it's going to be a whole thing. (laughs) And then you do, and then you do it and you're like, all right, this is better. Everything's out there. So I think of this as this like tension or this bracing. So the analogy that comes to mind for me is like, it feels like a tug of war. It's like a tug of war. Maybe it is between the mind and the heart, like you were saying. And something something that has really helped me that I'm playing with and experimenting with is like, think about a tug of war. What happens when you just drop the rope? Like what just, you just let go. That's when, you know, the tug of war is over. The other side falls and it's in that tension is not there anymore. So for me, this looks like, and in this example with Paul, it might look like just showing up vulnerably and just saying like, hey, so Corbett mentioned like the front that we all have to put on, which is what we naturally do. It's like my example of dropping that rope of that tug of war. If if putting on that front is the tug of war, what, what would happen if you just stopped that front long enough to be like, hey, I don't totally know what I'm doing here. Like, I think I'm onto something, but I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, that's when things get really interesting. And for me, that's when that helps eradicate that fear. So an example that I have for this that I'll share now, because it's really interesting. I am probably maybe even the week where like the week that we're in when this podcast goes live, Mm. I'm thinking about recording a solo show for Courage and Clarity because I, and I've told you, you two about this, I received my first like truly negative review. Like the first one got 40 awesome reviews and then one that was just like, borderline mean, but like truly negative. (laughs) (laughs) It was totally mean. It was totally mean. Yeah. I think the headline was like overrated or something. And I want to share this live on my show because nobody does that. Like everybody gets, uh, you get to a certain point every, except maybe you chase, maybe you've done this before. I think you have done this on our show, (laughs) but nobody else. My whole life is like, Hey, I don't really know where this is going, but I'm trying (laughs) this out. (laughs) Exactly. But instead of like, we get something negative, something bad happens. that feels like that tension. We just try to bury it. We pretend like it didn't happen. What would happen if everybody just face this this stuff head on and just said like, hey, this happened. Here's how I'm dealing with it. Here's what I'm learning from it. That to me is like something I'm experimenting with, with this tension. Maybe we don't have to pull on that rope so hard. And the question for me lately has been like, what would, what would happen if I just let go of this? Like what would happen? And so far only really positive and interesting and cool conversations have come from doing that. So I don't know. That's my take uh, on uh, it. Tell me, clarify for me, what are you letting go of exactly? 
I, so it's that, so that when you feel that tension feeling like that bracing that Paul talked about, wh- whether it was like not wanting to have like a super sad, vulnerable conversation with his wife or when he's in the restaurant and he sees the peer and he wants to hide. I think it's instead of feeling like, I think like Corbett said, the reason you really hit the nail on the head, the reason that he wanted to hide is because the energy it would require to put up a front is so great that you'd rather just not engage in it. It's like, if I go out there, I'm going to have to be really peppy and be like, oh yeah, everything's going going awesome. I'm just killing it. And maybe in that moment, Paul didn't feel like he's killing it. So instead of putting up that front for me, letting go of that rope would look like being a little bit more honest, not like a sob story kind of thing and make people uncomfortable, but more sort of like, Hey, you know, yeah, it's been a little challenging lately. Here's what I'm dealing with. Have you, have you had to deal with that too? And having Mm. more of like a conversation about what it is really like versus this front of, you know, pretending like we're just all one-upping each other all the time. When in reality, we're all dealing with things like negativity, for example. Mm. No, this is really, I think that's really, really powerful, this idea. And what what, what you're saying reminds me of, I read a book called The Surrender, not The Surrender Experiment, his other book called um, The Untethered Soul. Michael Singer, badass, cool dude. He was billionaire. This guy was full billionaire, 80s, like... I think he had the cocaine in his mustache and the Ferrari and the whole nine yards, mm. shoulder pads, you know? I don't know. His story is in uh, The Surrender Experiment, which I haven't read yet. And he went full, like, yogi over what he was. It was that standard kind of story of, like, and I was just like, what the, what the hell's the point? Like, there's nothing in this. It's just more. It's just more. Yeah. More of nothing. You know? Like, what's the thing? And so he went on this full-on journey, and he went full yogi, and... um and I, I mean, his book, The Untethered Soul, really impacted me. Uh, and he talks about this very thing, Steph. When he talks about, I guess in some language, I don't remember exactly the language he uses, but what I'll call it as like kind of leaning into that emotion. And for my experience, like for me, the other day, we were all, get, well, the first moment we went out and we met up with everybody. Remember, we went to Imperial on Division. We went to this beer place and we all kind of like, people were sitting out front. Barrett was there. John Schultz, a minimalist baker. Mike Vardy, a handful of people that had just come into town. It was our first time seeing them after spending some time planning that day. Mm-hmm. And we get a beer and we sit there and we're going to walk down the street in, in like 10 minutes to to go get dinner. Well, on that walk, I, I mean, I'd, I'd kind of crushed a beer pretty quick and I was feeling a little tipsy <laughs> and excited, a little manic and excited because, you know, you got the energy's high there. Okay, so these these two w- women had, had parallel parked their car. Are you laughing already, Steph? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have par- parallel parked their car. And now these ladies, it was like Tegan and Sarah, all right? It was like they were they were cool looking. They were smaller of frame, cool looking, probably landing somewhere near the lesbian side of the scale. Awesome. Portlanders, right? And when she parallel parked, she parallel parked. I mean, this is my street. I live here. You know what I mean? And, uh, and she's right in front of Stella tacos, a place I eat all the she time. She might live here too. She, she lives here. And, and so I was just like, I was in a good mood and she was kind of parked maybe like a foot and a half off the curb. And I totally misread the situation. Cause I tried to be f- playful. And, and I think she was like, really like, just didn't want anybody to see her. She was like, I'm going to go in and eat dinner because this is fine. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to mess with this right now. I think this is probably fine. Right. She was like, yeah. get like, and I, I stepped out and I was like, I kind of looked at it like into the street. and I was like, okay, I mean, maybe this will work. Maybe you won't get ticketed or something like this could work actually. And even as I bring this up, I can feel the embarrassment <laughs> of it because she and her partner, she just was like. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, weirdo. <laughs> Leave right now. We don't care what you think. Yes. Right? I completely misread the situation. Like completely. Like more like like I would and say most of us missed all of that lead up. All we saw was <laughs> the look of disgust on her face yeah. in shooing yeah. you away. Yeah. And we were like, what just happened? <laughs> totally. Totally. Now, uh, embarrassment is a very strong feeling for me. I'm thinking of the feeling that Paul's feeling when, when, uh, mm. the shame. Yeah. Embarrassment's different. It's a little higher up in my body and a little more red faced. Yeah. Whereas shame is like sulk. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. sad. It's really sad. It's yeah. like a little lower down. Um, and I just kind of like, I knew it. I knew I was feeling embarrassed. That's the, to me, that's, to me, Steph, that's what's required to drop the rope is to know what the, f- the rope is you're holding on to. Pardon right. my French. I didn't even realize I just cussed. But like that is, that to me has been a really big challenge because my emotions are unknown to me. Like virtually unknown to me. Yeah. Like 
it remarkably so. Even yeah. though I can be a very emotive welcome guy. Welcome to being a man. Yeah, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> and it's like, thank you, psychotherapy and meditation for just showing me all this stuff. Because now that I can see it, I can see the emotion and I can go, oh, that's embarrassment. And I can go, that is such a terrible feeling. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. I'm tr- and I'm and I realize I'm not going to have this conversation right now. Go back into the conversation I was having with Mike Vardy or someone. I'm just going to go like, I had to take a break. And I had to say to everybody, like, I'm really embarrassed and I'm processing that embarrassment right now. And then I had literally had to close my eyes, feel that feeling of embarrassment. And Michael Singer talks about this in that untethered soul. And I just like, I like leaned into it. I let it completely take me over. Mm-hmm. Brene Brown says, shame can't survive being talked about. Yeah. And my experience of, of that, like of embarrassment and emotion like that is it, when you really look it right in the face and you say, okay, have your way with me, it just retreats. It like immediately dissolves. And that's what Michael Singer talks a lot about in that untethered soul thing. This idea that you can just hold your emotion and it kind of, it kind of burns through it rather than taking it with you and letting it scar your personality. And then you you walk with that limp. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm a person who says stupid things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it really reminds it. me in a weird way. There's a parallel here between between this and one of the most, I think one of the most powerful revolutionary things that we teach people in Fizzle, which when they're first starting out and they've got that fear, maybe even shame as well in like, how am I going to do this? How can I, can I really support myself? Can I really support my family? One of the first things we have them do is go through the exercise of figuring out their MVI, minimum viable income. Minim, yeah. And the reason we do that is for the exact same reason, which is because like almost, I I can't think of one example of someone that I've met who's gone through that exercise and hasn't been on some level pleasantly surprised by the results for the same reason, because it's swirling around in your head. Like I can't make enough money to do this. I have too many bills. I have a mortgage. There's no way. And until you sit down and actually understand, it's like the naming of the exact finances that you need to make come together. That's when you look at it and you say, oh, that's all it is. It's 5,000 bucks. Okay. What can we do to approach that? I think Mm -hmm. it's a very similar, like calling out that you, once you can see it and you name it, it it really does. Like it it feels so much less significant, I think for a similar reason. And where do we do that exactly? That's in the, that's in the roadmap at, um, we're getting into planning. Like stage three. Yeah. It's planning. Planning. Stage. Yeah. It's planning. So we have the, the get the business idea thing with topic and audience. Then we have com- like, like uh, connection, which is you can't be doing this alone. If you have someone to ask questions of like the fizzle forums or a mastermind group, here's how to use those two things. They're going to help you. And then in planning, there's a handful of things like naming your business, setting up your business. Yeah. Should it be like this? What kind of business insurance? If you need that, yada, 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 all that stuff. And, what is your minimum viable income? What's your number that you really need to get to? And I think you're bang on stuff because it absolutely changes people. It cha- for people who are erring on the side of, of creativity, it changes how they, it makes it them realize that they themselves, even though they're always described as a creative and you're so whimsical and Corbett's always described as like analytical and I got to pay the bills. Like, why aren't you focusing more on this? It's like the truth is Corbett's creative. And you, creative person, are super, like, you actually want it to, to pay your bills, you know? And and that's one of those things that you kind of have to, one of those feelings that it takes time to learn really exists in you, you know? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. It does. So getting to MVI can be really powerful for that. That's cool. So guys, if you don't know, that's in our roadmap. Our Fizzle roadmap, just in case you don't know, it's nine-stage guided like sort of handheld training through the process of business. There's a handful of courses we have you go out to at a specific time. And a lot of the training is just in the roadmap itself right now. We're That's one of the places we're going to be making changes. I can't wait. I'm excited. But the bones of the roadmap will stay pretty much exactly the same. This has been around for almost two years at this point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thousands of entrepreneurs have gone through this thing. Yeah. I've been talking to lots of fizzlers. A lot of people go through it. They get halfway through. They realize the business idea that they're choosing won't work. And then they start at the beginning with the other one because we have you come up with more than one business idea. Yep. And and normally what you realize about this one is not going to work. The other one, you're like, oh, it doesn't have that problem. Let's work it through. And it takes half the time to go through the roadmap that way. Really powerful stuff. So you can try that for free as a Fizzle Show listener for five weeks if you go to fizzle.co slash try five. All right, fizzle.co slash try five. Okay, guys, so here's the deal. Because we can obviously live with too much fear and not enough passion or desire or feeling, whatever you want to call that, your heart. But maybe the other side is true as well. We can live with too much blind passion 
and then we actually enjoy, we actually personally enjoy, we would enjoy that passion a lot more if we allowed ourselves to go a little slower, be a tiny bit cautious. You know, this teacher, Abraham Hicks, which is in this weird law of attraction stuff that, yeah, you should absolutely judge or get into it if you can't help it, but walk very carefully because I think a lot of things are, are they go a little out of balance. But Abraham Hicks personally has meant a lot to me because she got me th- working with desire like this. That's where all my journaling stuff has come from. All of that started by like going like working with gratitude and affirmation and then thinking, how do I want my vision of my life to look like me? Not like, well, Gary Vaynerchuk does it this way. And so why don't I do it like that? Okay, I'll try to get that. I want to have that. It's like, no, that's like literally the opposite thing you're supposed to be doing. Let it come from within you. It changes everything. But anyways, Abraham Hicks talks about this, uh, this metaphor where, listen, if you're driving in a car, you can get your desire up where, you're, where it's, it's moving really fast. If you're driving a car at 60 miles an hour and there's something that is in your way, something that's going to resist you, at 60 miles an hour, you are going to slam into that and you're, you're going to total your car. Do you know what I mean? You might not walk away from that one. But if you go at like 10 miles an hour, like Corbett was talking about, like let this be an experiment. Let let your lean into your fear a little bit, hold your desire a bit, let go of the rope, and just go at a slower pace. There's plenty of time to move around the tree in the middle of the road or the or the dump truck that's, you know, parallel parking or you know what I mean? Like if you go at a slower pace, there's a lot of room. And I was I was on a walk recently with a fizzler, Kalen Huntress, and he's like, I think of it as parkour. He's like, when you get a momentum going in parkour, it's not about I'm going to go do a backflip off that wall. It's about I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do to that wall when I get there. You know, and that's sort of the point, like is like you pick a pace and then you have tricks and maneuvers that you can do around it. I'm not a parkour guy, though, but I think that's cool. So maybe um, maybe we can balance this stuff. Maybe we can drop that rope. I really like that stuff. I really like that idea of dropping the rope and, and, and let it that let it. That's very that feels very like a uh, very Buddha of you. Like, mm. just like, why are you holding this rope in the first place? What is the rope? I'm happy to just bring, bring the rope to the party. If you step on a rope in the middle of the night, does that make it a snake? No, it's not a snake. That's just your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I have been Chase Wardman-Reeves. <laughs> well then, I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Steph Crowder. And we'll see you there. Will we? Oh. Or we'll hear you. Or you will hear you on another time. I don't know. What are we doing right now? Do you remember how we always used to do that? I like yeah. doing that. I'm calling the episode to a close, guys. All right? So there you go. That's fizzleshow.co slash 225. Freaking awesome conversation. If you loved it, share it with somebody. Let us know. Get the word out. We want you to get this to the people who are doing, like, business. Both skis. Let's make some money. Let's do it our way and really enjoy it and serve people, all right? So you can find this show at fizzle.co or fizzleshow.co slash 225. And you can always check out FreshBooks at freshbooks.com slash fizzle. Enter fizzle in the how did you hear about us. And we also mentioned the roadmap. Get a free trial of that at fizzle.co slash try5. Here is an iTunes review from Wingsy in the U.S. of A. who simply says, amazing advice and fun to listen to. Thanks for being awesome, team. <laughs> I love that. Such a simple review. That's the whole thing. I'm not, even, I'm not even editing from that. That's the whole thing. Thank you so much, Wingsy, and anybody else who's left reviews recently. I'll be reading more on the air as we go. And if you haven't yet, if, if you like this episode, if you like what we're doing here, if you're vibing with the message, leave us an iTunes review. Open it up in your iTunes app uh, on your on your computer or on the podcast app, the iTunes podcast app or something, and click write a review when you search for The Fizzle Show and see our goofy faces hanging out there. All right, let's see. Which one am I going to give you? Here we go. No matter how hard it gets, y'all, no matter how hot it gets, remember, we are humans. We're in this together. You're not alone. And it's not a win-lose, zero-sum game. Make something you care about. Drop the rope. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show.